Your hair is like a flock of goats. Where's my wife at? Leaping down the slopes of Gilead. Your teeth are like a flock of shorn ewes that have come up from the washing. That means they're really clean. All of which bear twins. I'm not sure what to say there. And not one among them has lost its young. Your lips are like a scarlet thread, and your mouth is lovely. Your cheeks are like halves of pomegranate behind your veil. Remember, behind your veil, okay. Your neck is like the Tower of David, built in rows of stone. Ooh la la. On it hang a thousand shields, all of them shields of warriors. Your breasts, well... They are like two fawns, twins of a gazelle that graze among the lilies. Yep. Until the day breathes and the shadows flee, I will go away to the mountain of myrrh and the hill of frankincense. You are altogether beautiful, my love. There is no flaw in you. Drop mic now. You. No. Hey, girl. You are as beautiful as Tirza, my love, my wife. Lovely as Jerusalem. Awesome as an army with big banners. Turn away your eyes from me, for they overwhelm me. Your hair. It's like a flock of goats. <sighs> yeah. Leaping from the slopes of Gilead. Lord of the Rings. Your teeth are like flock of ooze. They've come up from the washing. All of them bear twins. Not one among them has lost its young. It's similar. Your cheeks are like the halves of pomegranates. <laughs> Behind your veil, they are 60 queens and 80 concubines. <laughs> and virgins without number. <laughs> my dove, my perfect one, is the only one. The one of her mother. Pure to her who bore her, the young woman saw her and called her blessed. The queens and concubines also, they praised her. Yeah. Jared, get up here. No, I'm just kidding. I think I'm blushing already, so I might read it like this. Uh, mind you, I'm the youth pastor, so immaturity comes natural. I read this actually before, and I somehow feel like DMX should be reading this. <laughs> How beautiful are your feet? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, how beautiful are your feet and sandals, oh noble daughter? Your rounded thighs are like jewels, the work of a master hand. Booyah. Your navel is a rounded bowl that never lacks mixed wine. Your belly is a heap of wheat. Encircled with lilies. That's right. 
Your two breasts are like two fawns, twins of a gazelle. Seems like I've heard that somewhere else before. Your neck like an ivory tower. Your eyes are pools in Heshbon by the gate of Bathrabim. Take that. Your nose is like a tower of Lebanon which looks towards Damascus. Your head crowns like caramel, not the stuff you put on ice cream. And your flowing locks are like purple. A king, yeah, take that. A king is held captive in the tresses. How beautiful and pleasant you are, O loved one, with all your delights. Your stature is like a palm tree, and your breasts are like its clusters. My favorite part here. I say, I will climb the palm tree and lay hold of its fruit. Oh, may your breasts be like clusters of the vine and the scent of your breath like apples. Just what I've always wanted. In your mouth, like the best wine. You are welcome. Fellas, I must say that was way better than I envisioned. <laughs> yeah, altar call, right? <laughs> Somebody want to meet Jesus today? <laughs> uh, all right, so um, that's in the Bible. You need to read your Bible more. <laughs> so, um, something like that's in the Bible. Yes, it is, but it is. Uh, this, uh, when I was reading through the Song of Solomon uh, in preparation for this series, um, one of the things that I was struck by was actually this, this book is about identity. And it's about uh, two people's identity and the two people serving each other's identity with their identity. And last week, we took a look at, at how the, uh, God has created women and specifically his image in three different areas, his glory or beauty, his holiness or uniqueness, or his perfection or his uh, 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 completion, uh, and so uh, we, we took a look at that last week and how all around us we've got that air, airbrushed perfection. And um, we got to hear uh, 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 one of Jack's Valentine's fail. I had a Valentine's fail last week. Um, uh, we, uh, I, I, I told the boys we're going to make uh, my wife, uh, their mom, uh, some Valentine's. We didn't get to it until Sunday morning. And so on Sunday morning they got up and they started making their Valentine's and everything. And uh, Elijah, my oldest asked, hey, can I make a self-portrait of mom? I said, well, it can't be a self-portrait because a self-portrait would be of you. Um, but uh, yeah, she can make a picture of mom. And so in a little while, he said, hey, look at my picture of mom. And this is what he showed me. <laughs> and my first thought was, the entire work that we have just done has gone out the window, right? <laughs> Valentine's fail. And so the ninja suit that he's talking about is actually this, so, so that it's a dress that she wears that they call the ninja suit. And so uh, ladies, 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 you know, at times, as you know, you have to have some grace with us trying to serve your identity and your image. It just all, it doesn't always work out, right? Fellas, this sermon is about how you need less grace as we grow in this, okay? So we're going to learn from Solomon how to, how to need less grace as we serve our wife's image. Solomon, chapter 4, Song of Solomon, chapter 4. I'm going to throw the scriptures up on the screen. You can open 
up the Bible app. We put a live event in the Bible app. We also put that live event in our own app that you can find at cpf.me forward slash app. I encourage you to download it. Uh, all the sermons, all the archive sermons and music and et cetera, you can find there. Our reading plan you can find there. And uh, the sermon, the verses that we use for the sermon. We keep those verses up in the live event all week long. So Song of Solomon 4, 1, how beautiful you are, my darling, how very beautiful. The first thing we learn from Solomon is actually how or why we serve our wife's identity. The, the first why is so that we can let them know how we see God's image in them. Now, we have to read a little bit between the lines here in this beautiful thing, but, uh, what Solomon was, was writing about, talking about. But, but he found uh, this woman in Lebanon, uh, and he brought her out of her country, moved her to Jerusalem or Israel uh, to, be in, uh, to, to marry him. And we know that Solomon had multiple wives. We don't know where this was in the spectrum or anything, but she was a young, common peasant girl that worked out in her family vineyard. And, and in that day, the airbrush standard was uh, as light as can be. And she felt very conscious. We saw this last week. She felt very conscious about being dark and, and, and tan. And here she's moving in with all these queens and princesses that all their life, all they've done is get beauty treatments and be inside. And she's very, feeling very self-conscious to this. And he's telling her, no, 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 no. I see God's image in you. You are beautiful fellas. We cannot shelter our wives and our ladies from the airbrushed perfection that they see at the checkout lines and online and, and in TV and etc. But we can drown out the noise by serving their image. I'm not talking about vacuuming. I'm not talking about picking up your clothes. But that helps. But how do you serve her image? Her image, how God created her. Solomon helps us out with that. Now, I had these guys read because I didn't want to be alone in reading these things. (laughs) Continuing. Behind your veil, your eyes are doves. Your hair is like a flock of goats streaming down Mount Gilead, as you've already heard. And ladies, you're like, if you start in with me on that, like, it's not going to work. I know, I know, I know, I know. Let's don't, let's don't look at form. Let's look at principles, okay? Your teeth are like a flock of newly shorn sheep coming up from washing, each one having a twin and not one missing. And the day before dentist, having white teeth and all of your teeth, it's pretty impressive. Your lips are like a scarlet cord and your mouth is lovely. Behind your veil, your brow is like a slice of pomegranate. Your neck is like the Tower of David, constructed in layers. A thousand bucklers are hung on it, all of them shields of warriors. Again, fellas, I wouldn't recommend you telling your wife she has a long neck, all right? Just wouldn't go there. Your breasts are like two fawns, twins of a gazelle that feed among the lilies. Before the day breaks and the shadows flee, I will make my way to the mountain of myrrh and the hill of frankincense. What he is doing is he is telling his wife, her physical beauty, what God's image is in her through physical beauty, that she is glorious to him, that, 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 that she, she is unique to him, that her physical beauty is complete to him. Fellas, are we doing that to our wives? Look, I'm a guy. I know how you want to do that with, to your wife, but how does she want you to tell her? She is glorious, unique, and complete. And fellas, let's talk about porn for a moment. Set aside the lust aspect and set aside what you're doing to yourself. Let's talk about what you're doing to her. 
porn lets her know that she is not complete for you, that you need something else, that she's not unique to you, that you need something else, that she is not glorious to you, that you need something else. It's high time us as guys get ticked off at that and say, no more, not on my watch, not today. And look, a church is for strugglers, a church is for sinners, a church is for the sick to come and get healed. This is where we can be honest about our failures and honest about where we struggle with in life. We want people that are struggling to, to, to be here and be open and be honest. But if you want to dig in your heels and say, I do not have a problem and it's not that big of a deal, we can't help. The community cannot help. And I hope you get a picture of what you might be doing, what you are doing to your wife if you're addicted to porn. And as a single, you may be saying, well, I'm fine. I don't have a wife. But the longer this goes, the more it's going to be in the back of her head. Am I enough for him? It's time to repent. That doesn't mean we won't ever struggle with it ever again. And that we don't have to put a perfect veil on. But this does mean we need to struggle. We need to repent. And we need to let our wife and our ladies in our life know that they are complete, unique, and glorious through our words and our action. He continues. You are absolutely beautiful, my darling, with no imperfection in you. Come with me from Lebanon, my bride. With me from Lebanon. Descend from the peak of Amana, from the summit of Sinir and Hermon, from the dens of lions to the mountains of leopards. You have captivated my heart, captured my heart, my sister, my bride. You have captured my heart with one glance of your eyes, with one jewel of your necklace. How delightful your love is, my sister, my bride. Your love is much better than wine and the fragrance of your perfume than any balsam. Your lips drip sweetness like the honeycomb, my bride. Honey and milk are under your tongue. The fragrance of your garments is like the fragrance of Lebanon. He moves past her physical appearance to her presence. He lets her know how her, her presence is glorious to him, how, how her, her presence is unique to him, how her presence is complete to him. Fellas, are you letting her know that, 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 that her, her presence is glorious to you? That her presence is unique, that across the store that she's one of a million? That her presence is complete for you. Something that stood out uh, last week when we did our interview, um, a roundtable. Caitlin was, was vulnerable enough to share that, you know, there's, there's this thought like, am I good enough? Am I, am, I, am, I, am I complete? And the undertow to that, not that she said this, but I think that if ladies were vulnerable enough here, would say this, that back in the back of my mind, it's, Am I complete and will he trade me in? Why is that there? Because we've heard of enough stories of that happening. And again, fellas, it's high time that we say enough is enough and not on my watch. And that I am going to let my wife and the ladies in my life know that their presence is enough for me. It's complete, it's beautiful, and it's unique. Many of us are having affairs. I've never touched another woman with work, with hobbies, with buddies. Anything wrong with those? No. 
that if she feels like that you would rather have your presence with them than her, yeah, a brother's got to bring home the bacon. Yeah, a brother can have fun and, and enjoy some buddies. But if she feels like that's more important to you than her, your words fall on deaf ears. It doesn't work. It's high time for us to stand up and say, not on my watch, and, and enough is enough. And serve our wives' image through word and through action. We get back to another why here. But this one's dangerous. Because we can move from servant love and servant love to selfish love. This episode is after their wedding. We'll get to the wedding here in a couple of weeks. So that's kind of important in this context. My sister, my bride, you are a locked garden. A locked garden and a sealed spring. He is referring to week one where we talked about she made a decision to put a wall around her garden, her body, and save herself for the servant lover that's going to come to her. And he is now playfully asking permission to come into the locked garden. Your branches are a paradise of pomegranates. Another translation says your thighs secure a paradise of pomegranates. Just kind of give you what he has in his mind. With choicest fruits, henna and nard, nard and saffron, calamus and cinnamon, with all the trees of frankincense, myrrh and aloes, with all the best spices, you are a garden spring, a well of flowing water, streaming from Lebanon. See, here's the danger. I've actually heard this exact passage preached this way, which is ludicrous. Guys, if your wife doesn't have enough sex with you, just... Sweet talk him and she will have more sex with you. That's not what this passage is about. That's not what Song of Solomon is about. That's changing it to selfish love. You can't be servant love, servant love, then selfish love and still get servant love. What is servant love? What is her response? Awaken north wind, come south wind, blow on my garden and spread the fragrance of its spices. I'm going to leave the interpretation of that part of the verse up to you and it probably is what you think it is. Let my love come to his garden and eat of its choicest fruits. What is she saying? This garden's not locked anymore. Come enjoy. She has saved herself for her servant lover and has now given herself away to her servant lover. Bad chapter break. Song of Solomon 5.1. This should go with 4. I have come to my garden, my sister, my bride. I gather my myrrh with my spices. I eat honeycomb with my honey. I drink my wine with my milk. Another translation puts this all in past tense. I came, I gathered, I ate, I drank. Translation, they're laying in bed going, that was amazing. And then somebody says this. Eat, friends, drink, be intoxicated with love. Some think that this is the chorus that shows up from time to time, showing up after their marriage and after what you do after you get married and going, bravo! You're like, that's awkward. Yeah, that's a little awkward. I don't think it's that way. Uh, I, I, think, I think this is somebody else saying this. And the, the book I'm using to study their research and their research of people that have researched this, believe that this is God saying, eat, drink, be intoxicated with love. I'm not sure if that's any less awkward than a chorus of people thinking about God celebrating this. Let me ask this. Who created Adam? God. 
who put who paraded all the animals two by two in front of Adam so that he can realize that he's not two by two? God. Who put Adam into sleep, did the first surgery, took out a rib, formed dirt around the rib, breathed the breath of life into her, awakened them both, and go, wow, look at that. And who told them for two to become one, and to be fruitful and multiply, which is the spiritual way of saying go have sex, right? Who said all that? Who did all that? God. So why is it tough for us to imagine God saying, look, 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 this servant-loving deal that ends with sex, eat of this. Be intoxicated with this right here. This, this, this. See, God loves servant lovers. This is the second line. God loves servant lovers. Let's put it in the New Testament. What did Jesus say in so many words? God loves servant lovers, right? No matter what, no matter what what context, God loves servant lovers. Why? Because servant lover fans the flame of love. The fourth ingredient is a fan. Now, I'm not good at making fans. I mean, this is a pretty pathetic fan, but you know, you've, you've got it in your mind. I can either serve myself with the fan or serve somebody else with the fan. And if I serve somebody else with the fan, I am fanning the flame of love in their life. Let's put it this way. If a homeless man came in here after service and said, I need a meal, and a bunch of us said, hey, look, we're going, we're going to go to a restaurant. You come along, we're going to pay, you come along. And in that mealtime, we sit down and, 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 and we talk with him and we laugh with him and we get his story there's going to be something inside of us going, there's, there's something right about this, right? Now, what happens when a husband serves a wife's image and a, and a wife serves a husband's image and that goes back and forth and back and forth and back and forth? What is that going to do? That is going to fan the flame of love in both of them. We do not fall out of love. We fall out of lust and then we fall out of servant love. That's what we do. Old DC Talk fans, love is a verb, Right? Booyah! So you're like, DC talk, yeah, 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 you weren't born yet. <laughs> but of course, like every good band, they're still around somehow, some way. <laughs> but when we're talking about Fan the Flame, we're not talking about the Hollywood version of this. This is going to hit Facebook here pretty soon uh, on, on my cross point on Facebook, this article. This is written by Anne Voskamp. And she says that we need more boring men. We need more men that's not focused on getting viral on YouTube through their proposals. She reminds us that viral is actually a sickness. (laughs) That we need more boring men. So what's a boring man? It's a man who imagines washing puked-on sheets at 2.30 a.m., plunging out a full and plunged, plugged toilet for the third time this week, and then scraping out the crud in the bottom of the screen of the dishwasher every single night for the next 37 years without any cameras rolling or soundtrack playing. That's imagining true, lo- true romance. The man who imagined, imagined slipping his arm around his wife's soft, vickening, middle-aged waistline and whispering that he couldn't love her more, who imagines the manliness of standing bold and unashamed in the express checkout line with only maxi pads and tampons because someone he loves is having an unexpected Saturday morning emergency. 
The man who imagines the coming decades of fluid life, her leaky, milky circles through a dress at Aunt Ruth's birthday party, her wearing thick diaper-like depends for soggy weeks after pushing a whole human being out through the inch-wide cervix, her bleeding through sheets and gushing amniotic oceans across the bathroom floor, and the unexpected beauty of her crossing her legs every time she jumps on the trampoline with the kids. The real romantics. Some of you are pregnant in here. Did you... The real romantics imagine graying and sagging and wrinkling as the deepening of something sacred. Because get this, kids, how a man proposes isn't what makes him romantic. It's how a man purposes to lay down his life that makes him romantic. What's a boring man? 50 unfilmed years of milking 70 cows, raising six boys and three girls, getting ready for sermon every Sunday morning, helping him, helping her, him helping her with her zipper. 50 boring years of arguing in Dutch and making up and touching in the dark. 50 boring years of planting potatoes and weeding rows of humid July afternoons. 50 boring years of washing the white Corel dishes and turning out the lights on the mess till he finally carried her in and out of the tub and helped her pull up her depends. Don't ever forget it. The real romantics are the boring ones. They let another heart bore a hole deep into theirs. Be one of the boring ones. Pray to be one who gets 50 boring years of marriage, 50 years to let her bore a hole, uh, a hole deep into yours. Let her heart bore a hole deep into yours. Let everyone do their talking about 50 shades of gray, but don't let anyone talk you out of it. Commitment is pretty much black and white because the truth is real love will always make you suffer. Simply commit. Who am I willing to suffer for? Get it. Life and marriage proposals is not about one upsmanship. It's about one downsmanship. It's about the heart boring years of sacrifice and going lower and serving. It's not about how well you perform your proposal. It's about how well you let Christ perform your life. We need more boring men in a, in a, in a culture that is swipe right and hot or not. We need more boring men to say, I am going to stand up. I am going to serve my wife. I am going to serve ladies and singles are you going to serve them whether you get married with them or not and say she isn't in the image of god and i am going to serve that we need more boring men are you going to stand up and be that man let's pray during the follow lord i thank you for this day we simply need more boring men bore a heart into ours it's in your name we pray amen